Not likely to see teddy bears having a picnic, but when you go into the woods, you may encounter wildlife that have been abandoned, wounded. What should you do? What happens to those animals that are out there in the woods? Scotty Potter, Communications Coordinator, Alberta Institute for Wildlife Conservation, joining us this afternoon. Scotty, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm just warning you, that song will be in your head now, that silly little teddy bear picnic. I can tell already. I can tell. (laughs) All right. So the Alberta Institute for Wildlife Conservation in Madden, a couple of hours south of Edmonton. How long has it been around? Um, We have been around since um, 1993. We celebrated our 30th year last year. In all those years then, you must have helped a lot of wildlife in that time. Oh, yes, a lot. We um, have had um, a lot of patients, especially uh, in the last few years. We saw an uptick um, uh, during the pandemic. And so consistently over a thousand patients um, every year. And um, at the moment, this uh, this past year, we had uh, over 1,700 wildlife patients. I love, our uh, Scotty, I love the fact you call them patients. So that's how you view the animals that are either brought to your attention or brought to the facility? Yes. Um, so it's, it's kind of just the way we, we uh, I mean, it's just the reality of it. Um, they come through our doors because they need our help. Uh, it's always a temporary stay, and um, hopefully we're able to help them enough that they can go back to the wild. How do they come through your doors? I'm curious how they end up at the center. So it is um, often it is people calling us and our volunteer uh, drivers are able to go out and uh, rescue an animal, bring them back to us. But sometimes people even just bring animals straight to us. Um, so it, it, it is really people noticing that there's a problem, um, that an animal's injured, an animal is orphaned, our call center, um, helping them through the steps to figure out whether or not this animal does need rescuing, and then uh, figuring out the best way to get them to us. And I guess that's the the difficult part, because if you see an, a wounded animal, and obviously it depends on what the animal is, should you actually have any human encounter with it? Um, it's very dependent on the individual animal and what they're experiencing in that moment. For instance, um, a huge reason why patients come to us is it, uh, bird, they are birds that um, have struck a window. And oftentimes these birds can actually survive after the strike. Um, you just have to watch them for an amount of time, a certain amount of time. So it's usually keeping, keeping tabs on them for um, 20 minutes, half an hour to see if they can fly and they can fly away. Um, and then um, once that time has lapsed and, uh, and then they're still not able to fly, then they should be coming to us. You mentioned birds, and I wanted to know, when you talk about over a 1,000 patients last year, what kind of animals do you actually treat or help? 
So, um, funnily enough, uh, it's about 84% birds. Um, however, we do care for a wide diversity of animals. So, um, last year we cared for about 140 different species, um, ranging from a tiger salamander that had to stay with us over winter to um, we had uh, some bear triplets last year that we um, reared and then released uh, in the fall. So, it's, it's a pretty wide range, but it's about 84% birds. Uh, okay. So even if you had triplet bears, uh, the cubs, how does the center treat them? Tell me about the staff ensuring that, because uh, the success story would be letting them go back into the wild, wouldn't it be? Yes. And we've had um, a a 100% success rate with releasing them into the wild and them denning down for winter. Um, so we've been um, uh, caring for black bears for quite some time and so we are um, really successful with that. It really is about um, limiting their exposure to people. So there's some pretty strict rules in place about how many people can care for a bear, what you have to wear. Um, a big one is keeping your voice to a minimum if not not speaking uh, voices actually are a huge part of what can habituate a bear to people and so keeping our voices down not having too many people on um, our grounds when we are rehabilitating bears all of those are parts of um, ensuring that our cubs are successful once they go back to the wild scotty potter is my guest this afternoon with the alberta institute for wildlife conservation i'll stick with the bear one bears one more time so how long did those triplets stay at the center before you were able to, as you said, successfully introduce them back into the wild? So our, um, it, we typically get cubs in the springtime, um, and so they uh, then stay with us all the way, usually around October, um, when bears are getting ready for their winter sleep. Um, so it can be um, as early as uh, one of, we've had cubs come in in February, um, but typically they are released around October. Mm. So that must have been a case of someone spotting them, not bringing them in personally. Would that be a call? to the Wildlife Conservation Center and then your your people went out to get them? So in the case of bears, they're a little different from yeah. our, um, our other patients. It's actually Fish and Wildlife who mm. collect the bears and then bring them to us. And then when we release them, we actually don't release them. We hand them over to Fish and Wildlife and then they are released. Bears are a unique patient. Um, they have, There's a lot of uh, rules and things in oh. place to ensure that we're doing everything correctly just because um, we want to make sure these bears have the highest success um, rate possible as well as that they are um, avoiding humans and so there's all of these things in place to ensure that and that, in- that includes fish and wildlife being involved. That makes complete sense of course when it comes to the little bears. Uh, any other unique animals that have gone through the doors and then out again back to the wild that uh, you can share stories with? Yeah, so um, I, I'm a personal big fan of the um, the scaly and slimy creatures, um, the animals that don't get nearly as much attention as I think they should. They're very ecologically important, and so uh, I was a huge fan of um, the uh, any salamander or frog. We had a, a wood frog and a tiger salamander we cared for over um, last winter, um, and they they needed care because they were interrupted during their um, their version of hibernation 
hibernation. Cold-blooded animals go through something similar, and um, if they're disturbed, then they can't really go back right into it. And so when they come to us, they have to stay over the winter. Um, and so those those little kind of um, creatures that we often don't think about, those are kind of my favorites to highlight. I wouldn't even know if one was wounded or abandoned. So um, great that someone brought it to your attention about the tiger salamander. You obviously need uh, volunteers, donations. Uh, just can you give me a website that people could look into if they're interested in helping out financially or with their time? Yeah, so um, our website is AIWC.ca. Um, there's a support us bar right up at the top that can take you to various ways of helping us out, whether through donations or we have um, we have a, a wish list of items that people can donate, um, all sorts of ways uh, of helping us continue our wildlife rehab mission. AIWC.ca. Scotty, thanks so much for telling us about it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Scotty Potter, Communications Coordinator, Alberta Institute for Wildlife Conservation, helping many patients go back to the wild.